It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Well, I'm sure you've noticed it's a crazy world. It's a scary world, but we can have peace in the midst of it. Brant Hansen is with us. He's an advocate for Cure International Children's Hospitals. He's the host of the award-winning radio show, The Brant Hansen Show. He's also an author of some books, The Men We Need, Unoffendable, and his latest book. So your new book, Brant, Life is Hard, God is Good, Let's Dance, Living at Peace in a World Gone Mad. Really? Really? Come on. <laughs> right. Unrealistic, right? What well, that's that's really like the surprising thing, even talking to believers about this, is like I'll quote Jesus saying, you know, don't be anxious, you don't need to worry, be like the lilies of the field, be like the birds of the air. And people are like, Yeah, that's that's so neat, but let's be realistic. I mean, we are gonna be anxious about like, well, wait. I d- I think Jesus is realistic. I don't think this is nuts. I think the way that he has keeps telling us is like, yes, you're going to have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, he says, for I've overcome the world. He's not surprised by anything. It's not like the people he was talking to didn't have any problems. They, they had probably bigger problems than we have now. But yet we think it's just not even realistic because our whole culture is kind of ginning us up constantly to be anxious and fearful. And it's too bad because we believers should be the ones who have so much hope that people ask us, why are we so weirdly hopeful, you know? Yeah, so we need to move from anxiety because I do get anxious and I need to move to, you know, really believing those words of Jesus. So there's that there's that gap that we have. How do we move yeah. across that gap? Well, well, we can become different kinds of people over time and it's based on what we pay attention to. Mm. It really is like the stuff you pay attention to determines who you're becoming. That's absolutely true. We're always being shaped and formed by someone. So the goal is to be formed by God. So the tough thing for me has been like over the course of my life, like I used to think, I don't need to memorize scripture. That just sounds like a churchy thing from being a kid or something. I don't need to do it. No, I do. I have to because they'll even tell you, like I was interesting in the New York Times recently, they were talking about anxiety and how people are overcome with anxiety. And they mentioned a study about meditation, where the idea is you're supposed to clear your mind and then you can relax. They found that actually makes people more anxious to try to clear their minds. Mm, yeah. So the biblical approach isn't clearing your mind. It's quite different. Jesus is saying, consider this, consider the lilies of the field, consider, think about these things. And then when Paul's talking, he's like, whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, like think about these things like it's not clearing your mind it's replacing it with what's true and what's true is you can trust the goodness of god Mm -hmm. you actually can trust his character he has proven himself to be good like you have to remind yourself of that and that's a discipline where you arrest these thoughts Mm -hmm. start to replace it with scripture it's not unrealistic it's not crazy at all this actually is a way to peace yeah so what does that look like for brandt when you get an anxious thought and you, yep. you need to replace that and, and see things yes. through God's eyes. 
But last few years, I've really started memorizing scripture more, mainly because I was thinking, wait, Jesus is constantly quoting scripture. If I'm going to be like him, I better make that part of my playbook. And so what I'll do is what Jeremiah does in Lamentations. I don't know if you ever like noticed this. Lamentations is like this book, like we're all, everything's falling apart. Our country is being destroyed. It's all over in the most vivid terms. Like there's no, there's no wishing it away. It's this just horrible news is happening. And Jeremiah stops as he's talking about this and he writes, yet I call this to mind and I therefore have hope because of the Lord's great love for us. We're not consumed. His faithfulness endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. Like he calls it to mind. That's how I have to do it too. I literally have to stop myself and go, wait, worrying about the future. That's not my business. That's not, not my department. God, you're going to have to take that. This is not my department. I'm going to focus on today, and that's it. I'm going to think, how can I be faithful with whoever comes across my path today and let God take care of the big picture and the and the future stuff? This is a discipline, but it's again, it's about paying attention to the right things. And over time, you become a different sort of person who's much more hopeful, and you have more of a childlike faith that makes life a lot more fun. Yeah. I had to learn this and I continue to practice it, but I had to learn this when I was in my 30s. I hit a deep depression. I realized I was just relying on my feelings, and I was just yeah. believing all kinds of lies, and a Jedi Master Counselor had to teach me, you know what? Emotions are beautiful, but faith yeah. is not dependent on emotions. God's promises are not dependent on emotions. No. So when those thoughts hit you, you just have to say, stop, even out loud, and then replace it with the truth. But I had to That's learn a, that, man, because my yes. my thinking was, I was, I think Tim Keller said, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. Bingo, bingo. So that's, that's so brilliant. I'm glad you had that experience because I talk about that, how David in Psalms, that's what he's doing. He's talking to himself. He says, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. Like he does that repeatedly. So you recognize, okay, I'm having these emotions, worry, anxiety. That's a very human thing. It's a very animal thing too. Like in the moment to have this fight or flight response, what's uniquely human and terrible though, is that we're able to have a fight or flight response based on something that hasn't even happened. So your body is, is going through all these physiological changes that are horrible for it. Animals don't do that. We're the only ones that get ulcers. <laughs> Like they don't, they don't think about next week, next year. So Jesus is literally saying, be like them. Focus on just what's coming across your path today. Mm -hmm. That's it. But being able to talk to yourself, like acknowledge I'm feeling this way, but it doesn't determine reality. Yeah. My feelings are not reality. God's goodness is reality. That's a fact. And when he's saying, I know the future, I know how all this ends and you are safe with me. If you trust me, you're safe. You can be of good cheer no matter what so you might be even grieving but you might have the sense of joy and the sense of joy is this pervasive sense of well-being regardless of circumstances you still have that pervasive sense of well-being even in that that's very possible if you're living in the way of jesus and growing in that we're all just trying to grow in that yeah and it is a journey yeah but we are being transformed. We are becoming a different sort of person. So that's a beautiful thing. Like you can become a less anxious person who's more hopeful. If I can do it, anybody can.
All right, so Brant, there's this movement going on where Christians are deconstructing their faith. I think in in some sense we all need to deconstruct our faith because there's parts of my faith that really don't have anything to do with the gospel. And so I want to deconstruct those things and replace my faith with things that are true to the gospel. But some, many perhaps, are deconstructing their faith to where it's gone. They're stepping away from that. And so what can you say to somebody who's doing that or maybe a person listening, someone in their family is doing that or has done that? Yeah, so I totally agree with you, by the way. I mean, there's stuff that we need to think through and question and and grow up like and discard because it's not true. You know, it's not central to who Jesus is. So I, I'm totally with that. I'm a skeptical person by nature. What I've noticed that when I was writing about this in the book, because in the book, I'm trying to talk about the goodness of the kingdom of God. People rarely talk about it, how awesome the kingdom of God really is, how wonderful it is. And how when people write like a manifesto, if they're leaving the faith, I've noticed this with Christian artists or preachers or whatever, they're like, I'm leaving the faith for this reason, that reason. When they write their manifestos, they don't mention Jesus. I find that really interesting. Like, wait, you're leaving the faith. What was it based on? Because I'm not walking away from him. Hmm. He's too compelling. And the kingdom of God is too compelling. It's too beautiful. I get to see it because I travel and I get to visit Cure Hospitals, which is based in your area, by the way. Cure International Children's Hospital is in Grand Rapids. But they're all over the world serving the poorest of the poor and doing like surgeries for kids, neurosurgeries, orthopedic surgeries. It's all free and it's all done in the name of Jesus. And I get to see these kids get healed and find out that they're not cursed, they're loved. And these moms are crying tears of joy and these dads are like by the thousands. I'm not walking away from that. Like his kingdom's too beautiful. And I think everybody's actually yearning for it. They just haven't been taught really what it is. And when Jesus is saying it's breaking through now, it's now available to you. And he starts healing people and he to demonstrate it. Like there's something really wonderful about that. I'm not walking away from it. It's just too good. So in the book, I try to tell stories where I, see, I can see his kingdom breaking through in an awesome way, in a delightful way. And I get to go to these dances at the hospitals where the kids are in different levels of healing. And there's just pure joy. Like, I love seeing that because it's very difficult for me to walk away from that. I think for me, it's, you know, Jesus came crashing into me when I was 10 years old and when I was 16 years old and when I was 18 years old. And, you know, I, I didn't deserve it. You know, I wasn't, Hmm. I wasn't living a good life, especially when I was 16 and 18, but he came crashing into me and I thought, man, he loves me. He knows me and he loves me. And that's, what's kept me in. That's kept, that's what's kept me from deconstructing and walking away. Well, I think too, and I appreciate that. I think too, when people do ask questions, they deconstruct Christian culture. Okay. I'm, I'm cool. We can have that conversation and share our stories. I tell people though, especially when I'm talking to young people, like college students, like make sure you deconstruct our culture too, the larger culture, because mm. it doesn't work. The alternatives to Jesus are not working. Do you see that? Can you ask the difficult questions about that? Like when people, uh, as we get more and more away from thinking that Jesus is the truth and the life and the way, are we happier? Or, or is a suicide rate coming down? Is it, are like people getting less addicted to drugs? Are there fewer deaths of despair? Is there are people at peace? Do you think? 
it's it's ludicrous to consider that any of that that's happening. Our culture has failed. Mm-hmm. And some people, I think, are even turning back towards realizing that and, and saying, okay, what are the alternatives? And I think if we show them how good the kingdom is and how good Jesus is and why we are wildly hopeful, that's pretty compelling. Brant, I know that you've had a challenging journey in your life. You've worked through some really hard stuff, and I'm sure there are different parts of your story, but just just give us a little glimpse into Brant and the challenges and the hard and Jesus in the midst of it. Yeah, well, so (laughs) I grew up in a church. My dad was a pastor. My brother and I grew up in a very traumatic home Hmm. my dad would preach we'd have three sermons a week to go to you know we did all the stuff bible this bible that at church home was absolute trauma eventually my parents got divorced i was in middle school they got remarried to each other again and then divorced again and i think we moved 17 times before i graduated high school Hmm. like we just kept moving because we had we'd get in trouble or he'd get in trouble it was very difficult to square the hypocritical behavior with the preaching and with people saying, oh, your dad's such a wonderful man of God. And we're totally frightened. So I'm a skeptic by nature. So you can imagine coming out of that background. There were times I thought we were going to die, like in, in the parsonage. Right. So coming out of that background, I have had to ask a lot of questions. The wild thing is I'm so skeptical it chased me back around to Jesus hmm. because he's the one, he's the only one that actually acknowledges human sin. I could see it up close and personal. He's the, he's the one that blasts hypocrisy. He's the only thing in the world, the only one who actually acknowledges human sin, which seems to me to be an obvious like thing about humanity. I can't imagine denying it. He doesn't deny it. He acknowledges it. And then he actually does something about it. Where else do I go for that? He has the words of life. I'm so skeptical when that's what I'm saying about questioning the culture at large. It's not one way skepticism doesn't do anything for me. I find him to be compelling, refreshing. Sometimes I read the gospels because I'm in the Christian industry too, like in different ways. And there's, there's stuff about that that can be a, make you question everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what in the world? But I'll turn, I'll look in the gospels and it's so refreshing. Like he's the only person that makes any sense. Sometimes I feel like. So that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Working with Cure has helped me immensely, visiting these hospitals, because that's the most Jesus-shaped thing I've ever seen. You're healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Like, that is so beautiful and wonderful and joyful. There's nothing better than this. I need to see that because I get to be so skeptical, and then I get to see him actually at work, and it's like, this is great. So you saw your dad... He was completely hypocritical. You were afraid for your life. And yet, your dad, who was representing Jesus, you were able to see, oh, there's a difference between my dad and Jesus. How did that work? Jesus is calling out that stuff. Like when I'm reading the Gospels, he's calling out that religious show stuff. I I can't be shocked at hypocrites. I can't because they're an ever-present thing. People will do will do what they can to get women, to get money, to get what power. Why they'll use Jesus? They have to. I know that. 
they'll use that to get religious attention. I know that they did back in Jesus day. So that's the difference. Like I can, I can see that. And here's the other thing too. If you have been through a hypocrite, as you're listening to this, you've, you've dealt with hypocrites in the church or maybe in your family. And you're like, well, enough of God then. I realized, wait a second, I'm not going to give hypocrites the power to chase me away from the best relationship of my life. Hmm. Why would I do that? That's no, it. this is too good. I get to walk my dog in the morning and actually talk to God about what we're doing in life together. It's so peaceful. We get to partner with him. Why would I let hypocrites chase me away from the best partnership where it's actually life-giving and it gives me like peace is real. Hope is real. I'm not giving that up because of somebody like that other stuff. Looking at the Christian subculture, there's stuff to throw stones at if we want. I mean, the church being turned into an industry, maybe a business. We've got mm -hmm. Christian superstars, Christian celebrities. Mm -hmm. We've got hypocritical and judgmental Christians. Sometimes that Christian is me because I got the junk in me too. We've got the ugliness of religion. How do we hmm, keep from getting jaded by that? Look at the beauty of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, this is Jesus' favorite subject. A lot of Christians don't even know that. It's the kingdom. He keeps talking about it. The kingdom is like this. It's like that. The kingdom of God. And he's saying it's breaking through. And it's available to us. And he demonstrates it by healing. So it's a healing. He could have done any kind of miracles, right? He could have been like, hey, check this out. I'm going to blow this star up out there. Watch the sky. Check it out. He doesn't do that. He heals. Why? It's an advanced trailer of heaven. Where the lame will leap like deer and the deaf will hear. This is going to be one amazing party, but it's already started. Mm -hmm. So... This is the thing, me working with Cure, for example, seeing kids get healed. This is not just another thing. This is, again, it's a glimpse. The kingdom is breaking through, and we can prove it. Look, people are getting healed. You're not going to see it on the news. If you're doom scrolling on Facebook, you're not going to see it. But God is still doing this through his people. Mm -hmm. So I get, to, I get to visit and tell people about that. One last thing about the kingdom. Everybody's yearning for it, even if they don't know it. And here's what I mean. Think about advanced trailers of heaven. You watched a YouTube video of a soldier showing up and surprising his daughter, like in a classroom. So it's this reunion, right? When I just watched, she's the daughter's silent. She doesn't know how to react. And then she just starts sobbing and goes totally limp in her dad's arms, right in the classroom. Everybody gets goosebumps watching that. It's hard not to cry tears of joy. Any reunion videos like that, it's, it's, they're riveting. How about healing videos where somebody can see for the first time? You've seen these on YouTube or somebody can hear for the first time. It's spellbinding. Mm -hmm. You get goosebumps. Like you watch the opening ceremonies at the Olympics. That'll give you goosebumps. It's like this processional with all these nations together in peace finally. Why do humans get goosebumps at all this stuff? We're made for that. Mm-hmm. It's a little glimpse of what heaven's going to be. It's a little glimpse. When I see the before and afters from these hospitals I visit, a kid can't walk. She's 15. Now she's up and dancing and smiling for the first time in her life. Like, that's the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. 
yeah. it's available. It's breaking through and it's, it's a beautiful thing. I just think people need to fall in love with it. It's those glimpses of the day when all the sad things, to borrow from Lord of the Rings, when all the sad yes, things will come untrue. Yes, all sad things come untrue. Yes, that's exactly right. How yeah. beautiful is that, though? Yeah. We all resonate with it. So I, I just, I can't wait for that. I love being a part of it here on Earth as it is in heaven. Like visiting the hospital, doing dances with these kids and stuff. It's like, it's just too good, man. What is Cure? And then tell me about a, tell me one story that just really represents what Cure does and how that speaks to the anxiety in my life, in your life. Love this. So Cure is, again, headquartered in Grand Rapids, but it has eight full-time hospitals around the world in, in poor countries like Zambia or Ethiopia, Niger, the Philippines, healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God. So it's not just healing. It's not just top-notch surgeries. It's telling them about the kingdom, telling them they're not cursed, that God loves them, sharing the gospel with them and their families, these kids. They do more than 20,000 surgeries a year. It's a big deal. And it's all done overtly in the name of Jesus. There's nothing like it. I've been in the ORs, best worship service I've ever been. Worship music sometimes while they're doing surgery. They pray over the kids. They pray with the moms. <laughs> and the death. These are people who have been completely rejected because they have some kind of a disability. And we heal them of that disability and tell them it's because of Jesus. They go back in their villages and people freak out like, who did this? We thought you were cursed. And now you're walking and running. What happened? So that's what Cure is. You can go to cure.org if you want to find out about it. But literally, it's it's right there on uh, in Grand Rapids. So the reason it's a big deal to me, I, the first time I visited, I was in a surgery. It was a 17-year-old girl who had never been let out of the house. No exaggeration. Because she had a cleft palate. She's 17. So in the U.S., this is all stuff that's taken care of real quick. She had a huge hole in the middle of her face. She was defined by that. She was considered a monster and a curse. And that's why her parents didn't want people to see her because they'd kick them all out of the out of the community if they saw her. So I sat in on the surgery. I got to see her afterward, and it looked totally different immediately. Like she was awake. Her lip was now whole. It was still puffy, like swollen, and there was suture, but she looked completely different. I wrote about this in the books. I, I wanted her to see herself and I didn't have a mirror. And I thought, wait, I have my iPhone. And I, I turned the camera around on my iPhone so she could see herself and handed it to her. And she couldn't, she was spellbound, speechless, and could not stop like just gazing because she looked totally different. Jesus did that. He used his people. We're supposed to be doing stuff like this. Well, when I see that, that makes sense to me. So like the rest of the Christian industries or the, the narcissism that can happen on stages or the, the business, goofy marketing stuff, all that, I'm like, okay. But this, this helps me. And it helps me with my with anxiety too, because I again I can trust in the goodness of God. I get to refocus on that. I know he's good. Even if I have questions, like I know enough about his character that I can trust him, that he said, I've overcome the world. You can be of good cheer. I know how this ends. Like I can actually trust that. I see his goodness. So that really helps me. 
What I hear you saying is that when we see God break in his presence, his love, his word, could be something small, could be something big. It just gives me peace. It's like, oh, you are in control. You do have my back. Life is not on me. Yeah, he is good. Everybody's out there talking about everything else, like questioning this and that. But no, I see his goodness. Yeah. And I think he can be trusted. The other thing about the anxiety, you know what? You can't be and be anxious at the same time. And that's grateful. Mm. So even in scripture, when Paul's writing about that, he says, don't be anxious for anything. Instead, pray about everything. So what you do is you tell God what you need, it says, and then you thank him for all he has done. And then the peace of God, the peace of Christ will guard your heart. Yep. Like it's thankfulness. So just that's a discipline though. You have to you practice this every day, telling him what you're thankful for. I'm, I'm telling you, you will become a different sort of person. You pay attention to different things. You start doing that. You'll become a different sort of person. You'll be transformed and you become less anxious. What I'm hearing you say, Brandt, is this Jesus is real. He's real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was on a radio station that took over another frequency in in a city one time. And it was a rock station, but I was talking about Jesus. It it flips. All these people are expecting their rock music. were suddenly hearing me. They didn't know it had flipped. And the conversation online was hilarious because there's somebody like, you got to listen to this. There's a guy on there who thinks Jesus is real. Mm. Yeah. That is <laughs> like, awesome. How about guys talking like a like a, a halfway intelligent person and he also believes in Jesus? What's what is this? Was that a yeah. was that a planned opportunity? What no, happened? I mean they just bought that signal. And so okay. we there's a day when it's gonna flip and that station shut down and became us. So it's quite a shock. This was in Houston. I, I was aware when I saw that online hubbub, so I was able to talk to that a little bit, just say, Hey, welcome. Like some of the some of the ideas you might have about Jesus and his followers might not be entirely accurate. You might have a caricature. So stick around if you want. Brant, tell me one thing that's just pounding in your heart right now. Well, one thing I would, I'm a big fan of, I was listening to a book by Tim Ferriss, who's not coming at this from a Christian standpoint. It's about business and time management. And he said he outsources everything to his personal assistant. In his book, I was listening to his book, and he said uh, he was worried about something, really worried. And as a joke, when he was talking to his personal assistant, she's in India. He's like going through his day, like, can you schedule this to that? And he's like, oh, one more thing. Can you worry about this thing for me? <laughs> and I love she that. said, yeah, she's like, okay. And he said, the weird thing was it worked. <laughs> like just, just knowing somebody else was handling the worrying. I was like, that's really brilliant because – we can outsource our worries, not to our personal assistant, but to God who can actually do something about it. But just to go, look, I need you to handle this. I'm just going to focus on today. Please, God, you take this over because I can't be stewing about this. Yeah. I think that's very real. In fact, Old Testament and New, we're told to cast our anxieties on it. Literally outsource your anxieties to him. Why? Because he cares for you and he can actually do something about it. This is not religious happy talk. It's real. Like we can do this. It it helps. 
I am going to begin to even more outsource my worries to Jesus. Yeah, we can do this. Baby steps. Now you're quoting What About Bob? <laughs> so you nailed Lord of the Rings and What About Bob? That is, you are my people. I know that. I can tell that. Mash up. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> hey, I know yes. that you don't mean to impress, but that library behind you, I can see oh. it. The listener can't see it, but the library. Oh, oh my gosh. It's, it's, a, it's not real. It's a it's, curtain that hides the trash cans. It's a, it's a curtain that looks like a library. Yeah. Isn't that cool. That is, that is stunning. Yeah. Thank you. I'm proud of it. <laughs> I don't actually mean to fool anybody, but it is funny when you do the reveal. Okay. So, All right. I love that. Literally hides the kitchen trash behind me. So, Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for letting Perry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show. Perry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.